Amen. Very nice. Thank you. Our scripture this morning comes to us from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, the first eight verses. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, or as always, it's printed on the cover of your bulletin. As you are able, if you would, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. And let us pray. Now, dear Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You ever been embarrassed in public somewhere? That ever happened to you? Am I the only one that happens to? You ever been embarrassed in church? I think the, the most, the worst possible place to be embarrassed publicly is in church. Years ago, when I was growing up, uh, a buddy of mine got a new watch, had an alarm that played a song. Now today, you know, that's a, everything plays music today. That's not uncommon. But back then, to have a watch that played a song was kind of a novelty. So we all thought that was kind of cool. Well, one Sunday morning, I'm sitting next to him in church. Second row, uh, 11 o'clock, very formal service. Our pastor was up front offering the pastoral prayer. Long, eloquent pastoral prayer. When next to me, I hear music. It's not, one some gently, not somebody gently humming how great thou art or amazing grace. It's not a heavenly host of, you know, of angels singing. It is his watch. The alarm is going off on his watch, and his watch is singing. Why in the world his alarm was set for the middle of the church, to this day I still don't know. But all I know is during the pastoral prayer, when everything else is quiet, my buddy's watch starts to sing. And he's you know, hitting every button on it, trying to stop it, and he can't stop it. And so he starts slapping at it because that always works. Right. 
But at that time, that, doesn't work, that didn't work. So I leaned over, took it off his arm, threw it on the ground, and stepped on it right in the plush carpet where it just sank nicely and continued singing. All the while, our preacher is still praying the pastoral prayer. He might have still had his eyes closed, although I have my doubts. But everybody else, all eyes were open and looking at us very disapprovingly. Not him, mind you, but us. It's not my watch. I don't know why I got blamed for this. Well, it was possible that he and I had been involved with some things in the past that might have, you know, contributed to that just a little bit. But everybody's looking at us like, and judging us, and it was terrible. It was embarrassing. The only thing that could have been worse would have been for the preacher to stop and call us out by name and say, okay, boys, David, Doug, you need to behave yourselves in church. But he didn't do that on that occasion. Uh, But that would have been even worse. And there's a sense in which that's what happens in our scripture this morning. Now, if you've been here, you know for several weeks we've been looking at Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, our New Testament book of Philippians. The title is Always Rejoicing because that joy is such a prominent theme. Each week we see how God brings joy to the Apostle Paul, even as he serves a prison sentence. And we talk of how God brings joy to us. Now, this morning, remember, Paul's letters were read in public worship. He wrote this from a Roman jail, sent it back with Epaphroditus when Epaphroditus returned home to Philippi. He didn't send a letter to a friend in Philippi that said, when you get to church, tell everybody hi. He sent a letter that would have been read when the body of Christ gathered together. So they come together for worship, and the letter is read. Everybody's in their seats, including two women, Yodia and Syntyche. New Testament scholars think they were leaders in the early church probably sitting on the front row, one on one side, one on the other. You know, their Sunday hats, you know, they're sitting there listening to this letter being read. And they're just having a wonderful time listening to this greeting from Paul, this letter from Paul. And they hear words like this at the end of chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. And everybody's saying amen. Amen. And then you get to chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. And Yodia on one side of the church says, my, my, my. That Paul can really write a letter, can he? And Syntyche on the other side of the church says, oh, he certainly can. Nobody writes a letter like the Apostle Paul. And then they hear the next line where Paul says, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now that doesn't sound too bad. I heard a translation once, uh, the fellow translated it, I urge Yodia and Syntyche to stop bickering with one another. Common English Bible says Yodia and Syntyche stop arguing with one another. 
Can you imagine these two women sitting in church, sitting in corporate worship with their sisters and brothers, hearing this glorious letter read from the Apostle Paul, and suddenly, right here close to the end, Paul calls them out by name and tells them to stop fussing, stop feuding, stop fighting. Well, you know, Yodia looked at Syntyche and said, well, it's all her fault. She started it. Right? I mean, you know that happened. But Paul's not done. He tells them to stop arguing, but then he says in verse 3, Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, because I know them, and I know they can't do this by themselves. They're going to need some help. You know, they wanted to crawl under their chair, slip out their door. Can you imagine sitting in worship, listening to this letter from the Apostle Paul, who suddenly calls you out by name? Why would he do such a thing? For what purpose would he do this? Well, it's interesting to look and see exactly why he did it. Of all the reasons he might have chosen to single someone out, what he chooses is they are fighting with one another. They are arguing with one another. Because for Paul, unity is important. We, every week we've talked about ways that God gave Paul joy. Early on I mentioned unity is one of those things. Unity in the church brought Paul joy. And although the church at Philippi was very united, it wasn't 100% united, clearly. But Paul had very high expectations. So when he had heard of this disagreement, this argument, he decided to single them out and say, okay, I know y'all are fussing and fighting, Stop it. Unity in the church was important to Paul. But he wasn't the first one who thought it was important. Read the Gospels. Jesus is in the upper room praying. He's praying a prayer for the disciples, and this is what he says. He prays that God might make them one. Jesus says to the Father, as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me, even as you have loved them. I'm sorry, even as you have loved me. That's what Jesus prayed, that his followers might be one. In the book of Acts, in chapter 4, there's a description of the early church that says this, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. That's unity. Jesus prayed for it. We see it in the early church. Paul wanted it for the church in Philippi, but knows it doesn't exist between these two women, and so he calls them out because he wants them to be united. Kind of makes you afraid to wonder what he would say today, doesn't it? At the lack of unity that we see today. You look at our country, 16 days before an election, our nation is divided. Now, it's been worse. I believe it's been worse. I was actually in a conversation recently that was in a meeting and in a break. Somebody said, our country has never been this divided. I said, well, that's not exactly true. And they said, oh, our country's never been this divided. I said, I bet you President Lincoln would have disagreed with you. 
It was a little more divided then, but it's pretty divided now. You got the election coming up, and on a national level, you can see it. I will tell you what, you can see it on a local level. Did you read the paper this morning? There was a column in the HAC this morning that said, Fayette County politics, nasty. That's today. You can see it, though, on a national level every day. Every day. You got followers of Mr. Trump saying nasty things about Secretary Clinton. You have followers of Secretary Clinton saying nasty things about Mr. Trump, and it just gets worse and worse every day. You can hear it in conversation anywhere you go. I, I have made it a practice for years. I go into a church on Sunday morning really early, uh, and then I will take off about 7 o'clock and go to the Waffle House. Uh, I go to the one down on 85 South, and I have breakfast. I do that every Sunday morning. The Waffle House is a great place to observe people. You ever notice that? You can overhear the most interesting conversations in the Waffle House. A couple of weeks ago, not surprisingly, somebody was talking politics. And they're going back and forth. You got one person at the booth explaining why the other person should vote against Secretary Clinton. And the other person comes right back and explains why they should vote against Mr. Trump. And they go back and forth and back and forth. Oddly enough, I never heard either one of them say anything about why you should vote for anybody. But a lot of reasons about why you should vote against somebody. And they noticed that I was paying it a little bit of attention, and they said, well, if you decided what you're going to do? I said, actually, I have. They said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to pray that Jesus returns before Election Day. <laughs> but their conversation was getting pretty heated. You see it, turn on the, you see it everywhere. It's one thing to disagree it's one thing to say, I think my approach to solving the country's problems is better than yours. But that's not where we are. We're at the stage of ugly. We're at the stage of mean-spirited. It's one thing to respectfully and lovingly disagree, but we seem to have lost that ability. I saw in the news this past week, and it made the news. A Republican governor supporting something a Democratic president had suggested. That was news. It used to be that if you heard a good idea wherever it came from, you would support the good idea. Now you can't support an idea unless it comes from somebody on your side, right? So the very fact that a Republican governor supported one idea of a Democratic president made the news. That's where we are. It's where we are as a country. And I wish we could say the church was exempt, but we know it's not. You see Christians... Arguing, not necessarily disagreeing, but arguing. You see congregations arguing to the point of splitting over things that seem so, who knows. You can see it within our own denomination. This year in the spring, we had a general conference. If you followed it at all, you know, we have deep divisions in our own denomination over issues of human sexuality. It's one thing to have conviction and have loving conversation but so many people have gone beyond that. I've heard people say, if you don't agree with my side, then clearly you don't love everybody the way Jesus called us to. I've heard other people say, if you don't agree with my side, you clearly don't believe the Bible like we're taught to. It's one, healthy disagreement is one thing. Name-calling becomes something else. We forget that in the early church, they were of one heart and soul. Sometimes we forget that Jesus prayed that we would be one. Sometimes we forget 
the emphasis Paul placed on unity. In Philippi, there were two women who argued to the point that it made its way from Philippi, news traveled from Philippi, 800 miles away to Rome, that Paul felt like he needed to address it and say, stop arguing. Stop it. Don't invest your time and energy in fighting with one another. Rather, in verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, I'll say it again, just in case you didn't hear me because you were arguing back and forth, let me say this again. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he makes him a promise. He says, don't worry. Make your prayers known to God. With thanksgiving, make your prayers and supplications known to God. If you'll do those things, this is what's going to happen for you. The peace of Christ, which rules all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Instead of investing your time fighting with one another, invest your time in rejoicing. Don't worry. Pray with thanksgiving. And then the peace of Christ will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That would go a long way if our minds were guarded, if our thoughts were guarded. I think that's part of what gets us into the messes we tend to get in are the things we think about. You ever been in a conversation with somebody and you disagree and you walk away and what do you do? You think, oh, I wish I had said this. I wish I had remembered that. The next time... I'm going to say this. And you, you start thinking about the next time. You think about how am I going to win this argument? How am I going to win this fight? And that's where our thoughts go. And that gets us in trouble. Frank Outlaw, founded Bilo Grocery, was credited with saying this. Watch your thoughts, for your thoughts becomes words. Watch your words, for your words become actions. Watch your actions... For your actions become habits. Watch your habits, for your habits become character. Watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. Paul said almost the same thing this way. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let that peace of Christ rule in your hearts to guard your minds and your hearts. Don't think about that next fight. Think about things that are true. Think about things that are honorable. Because you know what? Those thoughts are going to become words. And those words are going to become actions. And those actions are going to become habits. And those habits are going to become character. And that character is going to become destiny. So start at the beginning and watch the thoughts. And I believe if we'll think on the things Paul encourages us to think on, we'll find then that our destiny is joy. Let us pray. Gracious God, we live in a world 
full of div division, dissension, contentious arguments. Let us, Lord, as your people, live a different way. Let us rejoice. Let us not worry. Let us lift our prayers before you. Lord, guard our hearts and our minds. Guard our hearts and our minds. For then, it becomes well with our soul. As we think on the things that are true. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen.